Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, guys, we've been for the last few weeks, this is our final message in this series, really wrestling with the whole issue of whether or not God cares. And that's a question that all of us struggle with. I'll be honest with you, I'm a pastor, I've been a pastor for a long time. I wrestle with that. Whenever tragedy happens in our life, we wrestle with the question. Immediately our thoughts go to, no matter what your level of belief is in God, Almost immediately in your mind you wonder, why and does God care? I don't know if I agree with that, George. Well, look, the next time a natural disaster happens in our country, whenever a natural disaster happens, immediately though, even though we are increasingly secular and even though we increasingly don't want God to be a part of our lives, listen to what is being said on the news when something happens, uh, almost always you're going to hear somebody say, if whether it's a commentary or a victim, does God care? Why did he let this happen? If he's that much in control, why is this happening to me? That's a natural reaction from us, no matter where you're at, no matter what your belief is in God. We wrestle with those questions, don't we? And so for the last few weeks, we've been wrestling with those questions. Whose fault is it? How do I cope? We're going to wrestle with one other question today. We're going to wrestle with one other question here, and this is the question. Am I alone? Am I alone? Because I want you to notice there's a couple things about this struggle that we have when it goes through the junk that happens in our lives. The first thing is this. We often feel alone in our suffering. We often feel alone in our suffering. That's a natural response It's a natural reaction from us that when difficulties come, when we go through hard times, no matter what it is, whether it's a financial issue, whether it's a health issue, whether it's a job issue, whether it's a relationship issue, that whenever we go through the difficulties that we go through, our natural feeling, our natural tendency is to feel that I'm the only one going through this. Nobody else understands. Nobody else cares. Isn't that true? Nobody knows, nobody comprehends, nobody understands, nobody cares. A lot of people give lip service, oh yeah, I'm there for you, but nobody understands. So we have this feeling that we are alone, and that's really the question that we're wrestling with, am I alone in this? We feel isolated. And let me just be honest with you, I can say this, and if you've been around church a long time, you know that what I'm going to say is true. We in the church can amplify your feelings. We in the church can magnify your feelings of loneliness. Because we in the church have not been what we should be. When somebody goes through something, the natural reaction from Christians is to say, what did you do for God to do that to you? Is this happening because of sin in your life? And it comes from, you know, our culture where everybody thinks supposed to be nice and happy and well. So that when you go through something, you're the odd person. You're, you're the person that's back off. 
Don't want you near me because I don't want stuff happening to me. See, I'll, I'll be honest with you. That, that's really our culture. In fact, can I be honest with you? We have embraced a lie in church. We've embraced a prosperity theology on whatever level. Some people, it's an extreme level of prosperity. But even in our church, even in our type of churches, the reality is, is that we embrace a prosperity theology where we think that everything is supposed to be wonderful in our lives. Everything is supposed to be going well. We're supposed to be healthy and we're supposed to be doing well. And when things don't go the way we want them to go, there must be something wrong with me. I must not have enough faith. Jesus must not love me anymore. And we've been propagating that lie in our churches subtly for a long time. Now, that's why, can I be honest with you, why we've been going through this series. Because as a pastor, I want you to chuck that lie. And I want you to grasp, listen to me, a theology of suffering. You say, what do you mean by that? Remember what I told you, we've been kind of hitting on components of this theology of suffering for the last few weeks. Number one, the Bible assumes that you're going to suffer, that you're going to have hard times. Everybody understand that? See, that almost goes smacks against that lie where everything, I'm supposed to, everything's supposed to be wonderful, I'm supposed to be blessed, I'm supposed to be happy and everything. No, no, the Bible assumes you're going to suffer in this world from Genesis chapter 3 all the way to Revelation chapter 19 when Jesus comes back. The pages are filled with the reality that we're going to suffer in this life. We have to develop a theology of suffering. The other aspect of that theology of suffering is this, that as I try to cope with it, I need to realize that God doesn't promise to take away my problem. So many of us operate under this false assumption that if Jesus really loves me, he's going to take away my issues. He doesn't give that promise in the Bible, but this is what he does promise to help us to cope. He promises, number one, to give us grace and strength, and what else? He promises to give us wisdom. So we've got to develop a theology of suffering. But there's one other component to this whole issue of this theology of suffering that we have to have, that we really need to deal with today, and that's the component of where is the church in the midst of my suffering. Did you hear what I said? Where does the Bible say the church needs to be in the midst of my suffering? Because our natural tendency is to what? To feel alone in our suffering. But I want you to also see this, is that isolation is the tool of the enemy. The enemy wants you to feel alone. He wants, in fact, he comes and amplifies it. And he says things like this. You're the only one going through this. There must be something wrong with you. God must not love you. And so he uses that against us. And so in the midst of that, the church needs to respond. The church needs to be something to help you in the midst of the reality of the world in which we live in. Now, I'll be honest with you, again, I've already mentioned that the church has often been the exact opposite of that. We've, we've amplified our misery rather than helped our misery. But that's not what the Bible teaches and say, okay, George, what does the Bible teach? Well, look with me at James chapter 5. I want you to notice verse 13 through 18. The writer James says this. James, the half-brother of Jesus, he writes, Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. If, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. 
Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take this passage, and we're going to see a couple of things. Number one, we're going to see the church's response, and then we're going to see the basis for the response. How the church should be responding And then we're going to see the basis for it. Now, as we look at how the church should be responding, here's what my intent is. I'm not here to just give you a big head of knowledge. I'm not here to give you a theory of what the church should be. My intent that as we look at this passage is that we develop our theology of suffering and that we realize what we should be doing that we realize that this is what God calls Kerwinsville Christian Church to be. So let's look at what the response is. The first thing I want you to see in the responses is we need to pray. We need to pray. Look with me at verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Folks, I don't know what your week has been like. I've had a crazy week. I've had different things going on, different interacting in different people's lives and different levels. And here, here's what I'm going to be honest with you. As you walk in here, our tendency is to get wrapped up in the music, listen to the message, and to forget what's going on around us. So let me, I'm going to help you realize something. If you were to right now, just kind of scan around the room. Let's everybody do that so everybody's not feeling weird. Let's everybody look around right now. Everybody look around at everybody who's here. Okay. All right. Everybody looking? Okay. You can wave. Okay. All right. Now, as you're looking, I want you to realize something. As you're looking around this room, I want you to realize something. That right here in this room are people who are struggling. You may not know what their struggle is. That right here in this room, there are people who are suffering. They are carrying with them pain and anguish of soul. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's a relationship issue. Maybe it's a financial struggle. They're suffering. Now, our tendency in churches is, well, I mean, I'm here for the show. I'm here for the music. I'm here for the message. Teach me something, George. And then I got my rest of my week ahead of me, and you just kind of like block everybody out because that's our culture, isn't it? It's all about me. That's not what the church says. It's not what the scriptures are teaching us. It's not what James is saying. Is, is anyone sick? Pray. But you know what? You've got to know. What's going on in people's lives in order to pray? You know, you know what I mean? You've you got to know what's going on in people's lives in order to pray. You've got to be aware of what's going on around you in order to pray. And the church's response is, is that we need to pray. We need to lift each other up. And you know what, and here's the thing, we've got to move beyond the assumptions that, oh, well, yeah, that happened six months ago in their lives, but, hey, they moved on. How do you know? You're making an assumption. If they've gone through something tragic and terrible, I can almost guarantee you, they haven't moved on. They've maybe just gotten good at covering it up. God calls us to be a people, can I be honest with you, you may want to write this down somewhere, we need to be a people who care. We need to be a people who care about others. And so if we're going to respond the way that we need to respond, we need to pray. 
you know, let me just stop for a moment here. Let me just say this. As before I move on to the next point. You know what? The Bible calls us to be something more than just a service. So what do you mean, George? Well, here, here's the thing I've noticed with people. I'll talk to people and they'll say, well, you know, yeah, I'll come to church. But here's what they mean when they say that. They mean, I'll come to the service, I'll sing a few songs, I'll listen to your message, George. And for most people, that's what church is. It's a service. It's a religious experience. But let me explain to you, that is not what the Bible teaches. Church is not the service. Church is the people. It's the family of God who ministers and encourages one another. In fact, this is why the Bible... See, we have this concept that we have an option about whether or not we should come. But listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Pretty explicit. Here's what he says. And let us consider one another to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much more as we see the day approaching. What's he saying here? That we need to assemble together to encourage each other day by day as we see what? The fact that Jesus is coming back. We need to be there for encouragement. We need to be there to strengthen each other. We need to be there for each other because what do we know about life? It's hard. It stinks. It's rough. And church is not a service that you go to. Church is a people of God who will love you and who will help you as you get through the stuff of this life. Do you know what I mean? I mean, your whole concept of church changes. It's not that I'm here for the music. I'm here for the people who love me. That's what he's communicating here. And so what we see there, the first response is, is we need to pray. Here's what else we see. We need to encourage. Is anyone cheerful? Let, us, let him sing songs. Things going well for you? Great. Then let you be an encouragement to others as well. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let him pray over him, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. We need to, be an encur- we need to encourage each other. So oftentimes church has been the exact opposite, hasn't it? I almost guarantee you, if you know some friends who don't go to church, I can almost guarantee you that probably the reason why they don't go to church is they, they don't like the concept of being looked down upon by others at church. How many of you know what I'm talking about? See, to them, church isn't a place of encouragement. Church is a place of what? Discouragement and disappointment. What God's calling us to here, and what He's calling us to respond to is, is that we need to pray, we need to care for each other. But also look at verse 14. We need to respond with care. It's got to be more than just lip service. It's got to be more than just simply saying, hey, I'll pray for you. Here, here, just be encouraged. Here, just kind of suck, you know, just do, be okay. It's, I'll be there for you. No, no, it's, you've got to physically do something for somebody. You've got to physically do something. I 
This is what the response of the church needs to be. It needs to be the kind of place where when people walk in, they're not going to wonder, you know, you know what kind of place is this? What kind, what kind of people are these? They're going to know because everybody else has communicated, you know what, that's a place where they care for each other there. They accept each other. They love each other. And they're there for each other. Isn't that the kind of church you want to go to? How many of you want to go to a church like that? I want to go to a church like that. But you know what? In order to be a church like that, we've got to be people like that. Because they don't have the attitude, well, you know what? I'm just waiting for the rest of them to get their act together here. You know what? You get your act together. You quit focusing on your little world and you begin to look at the world around you and see the needs. You say, okay, that's the response. Now, how do we get there? Well, here's the basis for the response. A couple things. Look with me at verse 15. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. What's going on here? There's healing in community. Remember I told you, isolation is a tool of the enemy. He wants you to think you're alone. But the reality is, is that, that if you're going to find healing, friends, healing is found in community. It's not found in isolation. Let me, in fact, let me just kind of remind you of something here. God did not create you to be an island unto yourself. Do you understand me? God created you to be a relational being. And some of you, can I be honest with you, you've been hurt so many times that you have gotten, quote, tough now that you're not letting anybody into your world. You're a rock. You're an iceberg. You're, you're something that's not letting anybody else get in to hurt you. And so, I'm all my, I'm, it's me. It's by myself. It's me against the world. God didn't create you that way. That is a reaction to pain in your life because you've not found what true healing is in community. And so the basis for our response is the reality is knowing that healing is found in community. Look, folks, that's why we have CR here. That's why we have Celebrate Recovery. Because we realize that we cannot overcome our hang-ups, our addictions, and our problems by ourselves. We need each other. That's why we have CR. CR is a community of healing. And if you're wrestling with whether or not to come, you don't need to wrestle. You need to come. It's a place of healing. That's what the church should be. It's a place of healing. Now, here's the other basis for the response. We see this is what? Look, it says the prayer of faith. The key is faith. The key is a trust, a belief in, and a commitment to the reality that God is the God of healing and He will bring healing into your life. And that I'm going to trust Him to do the work in the life of my brother or my sister who's going through it. The key is faith. Not some mamsy-pamsy, well, I think maybe God will help you. No, God can't help. And I trust my God to do right in your life. The key is faith. 
But here's the other thing. Verse 16 tells us, Confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Here's what I want you to see. We need each other. We need each other. You know what? You may be that rock. You've been hurt so many times. You're just like, I'm all... You know what? Underneath, you still need each other. Here's what I found, folks. You know, I found this to be true as I interact in people's lives, even among the toughest. We all need each other. See, we all need each other. That's what church needs to be, folks. It's not where you come in, your own island, your own battleship, and you're like, don't mess with me. No, you come in and you know, hey, I'm, I'm among people who, who care about me. Who weep with me when I need to weep. Who laugh with me when I need to laugh. Here's the other thing, because we've got to get through this. The prayer of God's people are effective. You know, we need to be praying for each other. We need to be lifting each other up. We need to be concerned for each other. This is what church is supposed to be. Folks, we should not be amplifying the suffering in people's lives. We should be what? We should be bringing healing. We should be there with love. But you know what? Here's what it's going to take, folks. It's going to take us getting our eyes just off of ourselves and to begin to look around the room and quit asking the superficial questions that we don't want answers for. Because I mean, it's a superficial question. How's your day been? We really don't expect people to say, rotten, terrible, you won't believe. We don't even know what to do when somebody does that. Like, all I asked was how your day was. I expect, okay, not the truth. We don't want to deal with the truth, do we? But we've got to get our eyes off of ourselves and to begin to ask the right questions. I see you're going through a tough time. How can I help? How can I help? You say, okay, George, how do we, how do we conclude this? Well, let me give you three things. How do you react to suffering in your life? How do you react? Do you isolate yourself? And for some of you, I understand that. You've had exposure to church before, and it's like, you know, the last place I want to go is the church. In fact, it reminds me of a story I'll share it with you. It's in Philip Yancey's book, What's so amazing about grace? In the very first chapter, he shares this story. Some of you are going to be horrified by this story, but I think it's a good story to share. He had a friend who was a counselor, and he was counseling a woman who was a prostitute. And the woman who was a prostitute admitted, which placed this counselor in a very awkward position, that she was pimping out her daughter to men for money. And so the the counselor asked the lady, well, first of all, she found out that she was getting more money for pimping out her daughter than for herself. 
And so the counselor said, well, how do you feel about that? She said, what do you mean how I feel? I feel terrible. I feel rotten. I don't know what to do with it. Carry the guilt and the shame. And the counselor who was a Christian said this. Have you thought about church? About the church helping you? And she has responded immediately. Why would I want to go there? All they do is condemn. That's the last place I want to go. Folks, we've earned it. We're still earning it. How do you respond to suffering? Has, has some church amplified that in your life? I, I, you know what? Can I say I'm sorry? Forgive us? That is not what Jesus intended. Are you there for others? That's the second question. Are you there for others? You know, it's really easy to get wrapped up in our own little worlds, isn't it? But are you there for other people? Well, you know, George, I really want to be, but you know what? If I do that, I'm really going to open them up to... They're just going to take over my schedule. What? Well, you know, if, 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 if I'm there for everybody, I won't have any time for myself. Listen, I'm going to tell you a lesson we've learned as a church here over the last few years. You know what? When I focus, when we focus on ourselves, we die. But when we focus on others, we come alive. Some of you are attracted to the life you see in the church. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. It used to not be that way. Because when we were focused on ourselves, we were dying. Life comes when we begin to focus on others. And so you may sit there and you may say, well, I don't know if I can handle my, my skin. You know what? Then you're going to die spiritually. But life spiritually comes from being there for others. Are you there for others? And then finally, folks, Kermansville Christian Church, become a community of healing. Become a community of healing. Folks, listen to me. We need to be a community of healing. We need to be a place where when people come with their addiction issues, they'll know they can have help. They come with their hurts, they know that someone will come. When they come with the tears in their eyes, they know that someone will wipe their eyes. We need to be that kind of church. Did you understand what I'm saying? This is what Jesus is calling us to. This is how the world is going to know what? That God cares. The reason why the world is asking, does God care? Because they don't see that God cares because the people of God don't care. Do you know what I'm saying? We are the reflection of Christ to this world. Do you care? 
Let's become a community of caring people. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.